A 2014 incident in which a crazed person jumped over the fence and ran into the White House exposed what a review panel later termed catastrophic failures in training at the Secret Service. Since then, the Secret Service has made some progress toward meeting the panel's 18 recommendations. Joining me with results of its own review, the Acting Director for Homeland Security and Justice Issues at the Government Accountability Office, Nathan Anderson. Mr. Anderson, good to have you on. Thank you very much, Tom. And just to clarify, these 18 recommendations were not GAO recommendations, but this panel assembled to look at some of the things that had happened through the Secret Service, correct? Yes, correct. There were uh, a handful of experts that were brought in that have expertise in the protective force community that were asked to look at the conditions that led to uh, some of these incidents, particularly the 2014 incident. And were the recommendations simply regarding training or were there operational recommendations for the Secret Service as well? There were operational recommendations as well. They can be bucketed into, I would say, three buckets. Uh, One is on training and personnel. Uh, One is on technology and security. Uh, And then there's also uh, a bucket of recommendations on leadership. Sure. So these all came into play, I guess, in that particular incident, which I guess for the Secret Service was the worst thing that could possibly happen or the next to worst thing that could possibly happen. Yes. And it does, you know, speak to the kind of critical nature uh, of these uh, of these incidents and the recommendations that were made by the uh, protective mission panel, which we will call the, the PMP. And why these do need to be taken seriously and their status needs to be looked at through a fine lens. And now it's five years later. What did the GAO found when you looked at the 18 recommendations and Secret Service, I guess, following of them? Well, we found that uh, slightly more than half, 11, uh, have been implemented in areas such as uh, implementing uh, integrated training uh, focused on ensuring that all teams at the White House know their roles in responding to specific threats. But speaking to the root cause that you mentioned earlier about the catastrophic failure in training, we do uh, we, we have found recently that the training targets that the Secret Service agreed to, that the panel set, have not been attained. Specifically, those units responsible for protecting the president and the vice president uh, are supposed to train at 25% of their time. And this is uh, an amount that the Secret Service agreed to that was recommended by the PMP. For the uniform division, which kind of protects the 18-acre the White House complex, the panel found that 10% is a is, is a better target. In both these areas, the Secret Service is not yet and not even close to hitting those amounts. Yeah, 25% is more than a day out of a work week. It is, and this is an area where the expertise of the Protective Mission Panel comes into play. They're in the position to create the right benchmarks. Uh, the Secret Service originally agreed to that 25% target and has held by that for the last five years. In the last two months, uh, when we shared our draft report with the Secret Service, they have backed away from that uh, 25% training target, and have, but they have not set one uh, in its place. I think, nevertheless, this does still underscore the importance of our main recommendation from our report, and that is develop a plan to hit the appropriate target. And, of course, training, the amount of time matters, but what about the content of the training and the nature and the way it takes place? And also, I guess, follow-up for making sure that the training has had efficacy, that people are doing what they're trained to do. Absolutely. Uh, And again, this speaks to the specialized nature of of some of what the special agents in the Secret Service are asked uh, to perform on a daily basis. Uh, There are different units within the Secret Service, uh, those that are responsible for investigations, those that are responsible for protection. But I think it's important to point out that all agents are trained to be able to perform 
the protection mission. Here is an area where it does underscore the importance of our recommendation, and that is that um, being that all Secret Service agents are trained for protection, yet not all perform protection, there is an opportunity to get to a higher level of training. There is an opportunity within existing resources to try to get closer to 25% or whatever target that the Secret Service ends up owning as we move forward, and that is to shift, to shift agents from investigation to protection. Uh, the Secret Service is designed to do that. You'll see in the, an election year, for example, uh, the, the number of agents that shift from investigations to protection uh, increases uh, fairly significantly. Um, when we spoke to the Secret Service and, and what we put in our report is that the Secret Service claims they need more resources. But, but before we kind of acknowledge that or, or, or grant that assertion, knowing full well that Congress doesn't always just appropriate more or, or allow for more resources to take place, GAO comes at it from the standpoint of what did you do with what you had? And in this case, when you have that capacity to shift agents from the investigation side to the protection, that should be assessed, uh, you know, before we uh, before we state that that more resource more resources are uh, absolutely needed. We're speaking with Nathan Anderson. He's the acting director for Homeland Security and Justice Issues at the Government Accountability Office. And so they haven't met that training goal. What what are the other big gaps yet in with respect to the panel recommendations that Secret Service has to get to yet? Well, clearly, the two recommendations from our report really do focus on that training target. And, and, that, uh, and that is because the lack of training was identified as the root cause or the catastrophic failure that led to some of these incidents, such as the 2014 incident and then several incidents since then. There are some other open recommendations that we found in our assessment of uh, the Secret Service's actions. Uh, I'll, I'll highlight one, and that is to train in conditions that replicate the physical environment in which the, the, the agents operate. Um, that is a situation where the Secret Service is trying to create a mock-up facility, uh, but DHS did not put that into the uh, recent uh, you know, budget submission. And what did the Secret Service say? What's their posture on all of this? Because it is five years old. There's been two or three directors, I think, since then, and uh, time has passed. Right. The Secret Service's um, you know, posture on this issue is, is a claim for a need for additional resources. And, and we can understand that. Um, you know, many in the protective force community, in the law enforcement community, and in other federal agencies are stretched for resources these days. But I would like to bring that back to our uh, one of our central uh, messages from this report is the protection mission is the primary mission. That is the one that the agency was designed to perform. And while there is important work going on in the investigative side, there's no assurance that additional resources will come to the Secret Service. So a plan does need to be developed that the primary mission uh, will be attained. And in, in, in some part, that means developing a capability to shift from investigations over to protection if adequate training uh, isn't available with, within existing resources. Sure, it wouldn't be too much to say then that they would be holding the protective mission hostage to the resource situation. Correct. We don't believe that's the case. Again, the bottom line is there is the capacity to shift. You'll see it in election years. You'll see it in an, uh, in an upcoming election year. Because that uh, you know, nimbleness or, or flexibility does exist within the agency, that is a card that can be played. Sure. And I guess it's going to be a particularly telling season, the upcoming election, just given the sheer number of candidates that are forming. And uh, who, who knows how many of them will go deep into the primary season. But 
if there's a protective requirement for a large number, that's going to stretch them. Yes, and we, we've seen that in previous election years as well. Uh, there are requirements uh, you know, in place for how much uh, given, given candidates do get uh, protection. But again, you'll see that that does, that does stretch resources, but the Secret Service is able to, to shift, to shift from sure. that investigation side over to the protection. All right. I guess that's the watchword then from GAO is go ahead and do the shift. Well, uh, as you'll see from our report, our recommendations are focused on achieving the training target. If the Secret Service wants to do the shift as the, the mechanism to get there, then that's within their uh, you know, authority to do so, and that's a decision that needs to be left up to them. Nathan Anderson is the Acting Director for Homeland Security and Justice Issues at the GAO. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Find a link to his report and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 